Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. I think we could get a little confused or have a misunderstanding when it comes to baptism. And I think sometimes the reason why we could get confused or have this misunderstanding about baptism is because of the language that we use. I think sometimes the way we talk about baptisms can be a little confusing and can lead to a misunderstanding. I mean, if you're new to church or maybe you come from a different faith background or maybe you're just recently walking with the Lord and you're studying and you're growing in the Lord, maybe you're not so familiar with what takes place in church. You kind of look at the things that happen in church and you go, what's the point of all that? Why do we do what we do? Because here's the thing, it's important as followers of Jesus, it's important to know why we do what we do externally, but we also need to know what happens spiritually. Because that's where the grace of God, that's where the power of God, that's where the supernatural happens. So there's a lot of things that we do externally. We gather together for church, we sing songs, we take communion, and we do baptisms. And we can look at those things and we can go, well, what's the point of doing all of that? Why do we do those things? And if I were to boil it down, if I were to say it in as simple of a phrase as I can, I would say that it's because it's a family tradition. Family traditions can ground and root a family if we know why we have the family traditions. In fact, this week, as I was studying about baptism, I was reminded growing up in my home, uh, some family traditions my family would have. Uh, One of those that we would do is we would leave Albuquerque, New Mexico during springtime, spring break, and we would go to Phoenix, Arizona, and we would go to Glendale, and we would go to Scottsdale and all the surrounding areas, and we would go and we would watch um, uh, baseball games because that's where spring training was. It's either in Tampa or Phoenix, and because we're a lot closer in New Mexico to Phoenix, that's where we would go. And my mom and I loved baseball games, so we would go from each city, each little stadium to just watch the different players, figure out who's going to be good, and, and we would watch these things, and we loved it. And plus, we would leave the poor man's desert of New Mexico to the rich, lush desert of Phoenix. And uh, Phoenix has great shopping. It's got great food. There's things that it doesn't have, uh, that Albuquerque doesn't have, that Phoenix has. And so it was a great getaway. It was a family tradition. We did it every springtime. And then, uh, of course, my family, we loved live Christmas trees. How many of you love live Christmas trees, right? Uh, my family loved those things. And so we would drive from lot to lot to lot to try to find the perfect Christmas tree, And then when we would find the perfect Christmas tree, because we didn't have a truck, we would have to ghetto rig the thing to the roof of the car, and we would strap it in, and then we have memories and stories and funny times of just holding onto the Christmas tree, hoping it doesn't fall out into the middle of the road. We We had family traditions. This week, I asked my boys, I said, hey, I'm talking about baptisms and we're talking about how they're family traditions and what, are, what do we do as a family that you would think is a tradition? And Dawson was the first one to raise his hand. And I was like, good, I need something funny. Give me something good, you know? He's my youngest one. And, and he says, well, we go to Destin, Florida every year. And I was like, that's right, we do. Like we go to Destin, Florida, we go to the beach, we hang out. I'm like, yeah, that's right. And then Brody, my oldest son, he raises his hand and he goes, well, every year, We go uh, do pass the turkey, we run around the mall, and we then eat donuts, and, uh, and then we eat lots of food, and then we do Black Friday shopping. It's just a great week. And I said, yeah, you're right, we do do that. And then Asher, my middle son, raised his hand, and he said, I know what we do. He said, every year we go to Disney World. Now, before you guys go, wow, this guy, well, he's just flexing on us. Listen, I've never stepped foot in Disney World. 
My kids have never even been to Disneyland, let alone Disney World. I've been to Disneyland three times. We as a family have never gone. And so I looked at him, I said, Asher, we've never gone to Disney World. Like I don't make every, uh, I don't make Disney World money. Like I don't know what you're talking about, Disney World. I said, why did you say that? And he looked at me without missing a beat as seriously as he could. He says, well, I hope it becomes a family tradition. <laughs> so if we could start passing the plates around, um, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But they're family traditions. <laughs> they're things that can root and ground a family if we know why they exist. But I want you to know that as a church, we also have traditions. And these aren't man-made ideas. These aren't something where a group of guys just came together and thought, okay, what can we do to make things feel a little spiritual? These things aren't man-made. These aren't ideas that we've come up with. These are traditions that we have as a church. And if you wonder why do we do what we do as a church, you have to understand that they have to pass a test. And the test is Jesus commanded it, the apostles amplified it, and the early church put it into practice. And so we have different traditions, gathering together, taking communion, baptisms, those passed the test. Jesus commanded it, the apostles uh, amplified it, and the early church put it into practice. And today I want to hone in on baptisms. In fact, Jesus said this, he said in Matthew, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we baptize people, that's what we do. We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So not only did Jesus tell us to do baptisms, the apostles amplified it, the early church put it into practice. And that's why baptisms are a family tradition. But not only are we gonna talk about baptisms, but we're gonna see some here in just a few minutes. But I know for a lot of people, again, going back to what I said earlier, we might be thinking, well, what's the purpose? What's the value? Why do we do baptisms? In fact, I've titled today's message, So What is Baptisms Anyways? What is Baptisms Anyways? Because I think we could get a little confused. And to answer that, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 8 today. Acts chapter 8. And there we're going to see a story about a guy named Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch. And this text is going to be kind of our launching text into three main ideas that we have to answer that question, what is baptisms anyways? If you have a Bible, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can find your place there. If not, we'll have the verses on the screen. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before his shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Verse 33, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. 
Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. What we read here is a baptism service that happens in the middle of the desert. And I wanna kind of just introduce you to a few of the characters. One, we have Philip. And what we know about Philip was he was an early church leader. And uh, the spirit of the Lord comes to him and tells him, hey, I see a guy out in the desert reading God's word. He needs some help. Would you go and speak to him? And I love that because God is always looking out for the one. You can read about the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son. You can read all about that, that God is concerned about the one. And so he sees the one out there wanting some understanding, wanting some clarity. And he sends Philip to go and preach to him. And so Philip goes, and then we're introduced to the man, this, this Ethiopian eunuch. And what we know about him was that he, was, uh, he worked in the queen's palace, and he was in charge of all her money, and so he was a treasurer, so he was a very powerful dude. And for whatever reason, this guy was just curious about the God of the Jews. Now, I want you to know, in Ethiopia, they had a lot of gods. They worshiped the sun, they worshiped various, various different animals, And this guy, maybe he was riding back from Jerusalem back home and he was just thinking, man, there has to be more. There has to be a God that is larger than the sun, bigger than all of these animals that we worship. A God behind all of creation, not just part of creation. And then here comes Philip running alongside the chariot, kind of like Forrest Gump, you know. He's there, and, and don't think of this chariot like with horses and wheels. Like it had a flat piece of wood and some poles on either side. You had two guys in the front, two guys in the back. They would carry it on their shoulders. And so they're carrying this chariot, and here comes Philip, and he's like, hey, uh, what you reading over there? It's Isaiah. Do you understand what's going on? Do you understand it? And he's like, no, I need some help understanding this. Why don't you come on my chariot and explain this to me? And at that time, those guys carrying it were probably like, oh, great. Now we got to carry more weight, you know, like that sounds great. And so what I love about this is it says that Philip started preaching the gospel. He didn't preach his own opinions. He didn't preach his own thoughts. He preached the scriptures, what God's word had to say. And then the eunuch believed. And then he looks at it and he goes, hey, I want to mark this moment, this inward change that's happened to me. I want to mark this moment by getting baptized. What prevents me from being baptized? And it's because he believed, then he got baptized. And then Philip gets the best way of traveling, better than first class traveling. He is teleported away, which is pretty cool. And then it tells us that this Ethiopian man goes on his way rejoicing. Here's what this text is teaching us. That water baptism is a sign of believing in Jesus. It's because you first believed, then you get baptized. And so when we see someone getting baptized, a lot more is happening than than what we at first see. Because it's not just some rando in a pool of water on a Sunday uh, afternoon who just were like, why are they in there? What's going on? Baptism preaches the gospel to the eyes. 
When we see someone standing in the water, they're saying, man, I was dead in my sin. I had no hope. Sin had a grip on my life, but I heard the gospel and it changed my life. Just like what happened with this man in Acts chapter eight. He heard the gospel. It changed his life. I believe I'm forgiven. And because of that, baptism is an outward picture of what's already happened spiritually. And so when we go underwater, it's like going our old self, our old identities, going to the grave, just like Jesus went to the tomb. And then when we come up, we have new life. We are raised to new life, just like Jesus was raised to life. And so today I want to talk about three things that happen in the water. Three things that you need to know about baptism. And the first one is this. Baptism is an act of obedience. Baptism is an act of obedience. When we come to Jesus, one of the first steps of obedience that we can take as his followers is to get baptized. And the reason why this is so important is because this starts out our new course for our lives. In fact, that's what we see here in Acts chapter 8. Philip and this, this eunuch man, like they come together, it's he believes, he gets baptized, and I love what it says at the very end. He goes on his way rejoicing. Jesus even said this in Mark chapter 16. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. See, when we go down into the water, we are responding in obedience to what Jesus has called us to do. Now you could read this verse and you could easily go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What's this verse saying? What's going on in this verse? I have to to be saved. I have to be baptized. Is that what Jesus is saying here? No, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. Jesus is not saying those who aren't baptized will be condemned. He's saying those who do not believe in him will be condemned. See, when it comes to baptism, here's what you need to know. Baptisms don't save you. See, what happens in the pool when someone's getting baptized, all the onlookers, all of us get to see the one who does the saving. Baptism just points to the one who does the saving. Baptism is a sign that points to the fact that you've already been saved. But we can look at Mark chapter 16 and we can go, wait, well, what is this meaning? Why is Jesus saying these things so strongly that those who believe and are baptized will be saved? Why does Jesus care this much about it? It's because I think Jesus wants us as his followers, as his disciples, to actually begin to walk out what a life of radical obedience looks like. And baptism can be that very first step that we take as followers of Jesus to practice obedience. See, listen, if we have a hard time taking this first step of obedience and saying, okay, I'm going to go public with my faith. I'm going to let everyone in this church know that I'm a follower of Jesus by being baptized. I promise you, you're going to have a difficult time walking out obedience in other areas of your life. See, we talk a lot about Jesus being your personal Lord and Savior. And listen, he has to be your personal Lord and Savior. You know, it's not like you can just go to heaven because you sit in close proximity or your dad or your grandparents, your mom are are Christians and so that gets you into heaven. No, you have to have a personal relationship with your personal Lord and Savior. But that doesn't mean he is your private Lord and Savior. You need to go public with Jesus. In fact, Jesus even said this, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. 
If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. Baptism for the church is our way of making a public statement of faith. It's us going public saying, I prayed, I invited, I recognized Jesus is the Son of God, the living God who died on the cross for my sins and he rose again. And because I believe, because I have repented, because I have made Jesus the Lord of my life in front of the devil, in front of hell, in front of heaven, in front of the church, in front of my friends, I say, because I believe, now that I'm a Christian, I want to identify with Jesus and I am getting baptized. And listen, if we can't stand in the middle of the church and say that, we want to identify with Jesus, then we're going to have a really difficult time standing out in the world, standing up for Jesus. We're going to have a very difficult time going out into the world and sharing the hope that we have with others if we can't stand in a church and say, I declare, I identify with Jesus. This is why Jesus gives us this radical act of obedience to go into the water and be baptized. But here's the second thing. Baptism is a burial of old identities. Baptism is a burial of old identities. In fact, I read a funny story this last week about a four-year-old who's sitting at church with his parents. And they're about in the third row, and he's got his mom on the right, his dad on the left, and he's, he's seeing all these people getting baptized and he doesn't understand what's going on. And he kind of looks to his mom and he's like, what is happening, mom? Like, why are all these people dry, then getting wet and walking off? Like, what is going on? Why are we doing this? And she looks at, she looks at her son and she goes, well, you know, these people are saying, you know, Jesus has changed my life. He's come in. I'm different than how I once was. Like, there's a change going on in the inside. And people are trying to show that. But he's not really satisfied with that answer. And so he looks to his dad and he goes, dad, why are people being baptized? Like, why are they getting wet? What's the point? His dad goes, well, it's like a burial. They're burying their old self, their old identities, who they used to be. And they're coming up new in Jesus. And so he's hearing these explanations. He's feeling like he's getting a handle on it. And he sees this older gentleman get into the pool. And now he's like, all right, now I think I understand it. Let me see what goes on here. And he sees this man go in the water and come out and he's cheering and everyone's cheering. And after they're kind of done and there's a lull in it, he shouts from the third row with no filter. He goes, he hasn't changed. He looks the same. Bury him again, you know? (laughs) And I love that. Because here's the thing. Baptism is a burial of our old identities. In fact, Colossians 2 tells us this. Paul says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And so what Paul is saying here is baptism is a burial where we take our old self, our old sin-ridden self, where we put our flesh under the water just like Jesus was buried in the tomb and we identify with Jesus. But something more is happening. Paul calls this the circumcision of the heart. Now circumcision, to put it gently, is a cutting away of skin. And as a result, there is a permanent change. And at this time, it was meant to set people apart from everyone else. And so when Paul was writing this, 
at, at this time, circumcision would have been a very clear and sometimes very visible sign that you belonged to the God of Israel. And what Paul is saying here is that there is a circumcision made without hands. When by faith we bury our old identities, our old flesh in the waters of baptism. And what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit then comes in and he does something in our hearts. He circumcises us spiritually. There is a cutting away of the old sin nature, the old flesh, the old identities. And we are now set apart from everyone else. We now live differently and we now identify with Jesus. But we live in a world where uh, we have a lot of identities shaped by a lot of different things. But Jesus is like, I don't want to be an add-on accessory to your current identity. I don't want to be one of many different allegiances. I want to be everything and the only one. I want you to bury the old self. Whatever sin you used to identify with, bury it. Whatever plans and goals you had for your life, bury it. Jesus wants to be not one among many. He wants to be the only one. And so what happens is we bring our old self and we say, Jesus, you are Lord, you are Savior. I'm a sinner. I've repented. I've turned to you. All those things that I used to depend on, all those things that gave me definition, all those things that gave me identity, all the things that once gave me affirmation, the pride of my life, I consider it all dead. And what happens is Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to cut away at our callous heart, to cut away at our sin, at our pride, at the flesh, our sin nature, and we identify with Jesus. In fact, it even reminds me of what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There is a burial of our old identities, our old self. And we identify with Jesus and we say, because he died, now I died. Because I died, all of my sin desires, all my allegiances, all those things that have shaped me and molded me, they are now dead. And now I am a new creation. And so baptism is a picture of the old self being buried. But here's the last thing you need to know about baptisms. Baptism marks the start of our journey. Baptism will mark the start of our journey. See, death is something we will all face in our life. And if we're being honest today, I think it's something that we all fear. But I love what Romans 6 tells us. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Jesus didn't just save you from your sins. He saved you from the power and the fear of death. So just like Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day, we go into the waters of baptism, And we're acting out what Jesus did. And we come out of the water and it illustrates for us this cleansing, this newness, this changed, transformed life. In fact, I would encourage you later, you can read Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, what we see is Peter, a leader in the church, he preaches the gospel to thousands of people. And as he's preaching this this gospel, it says that 3,000 people came and got saved. 3,000 people got baptized. 
And then it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread, communion, to gathering together, church, and to prayer. There was a new way of living. It started the mark of a new journey. They are now students. They are now disciples of Jesus. But when you read that, or notice what I didn't say, it didn't say that they went, okay, great, I came to know Jesus. I'm good to go now. Now that I'm baptized, see you later. No more church, no more community, no more Bible study, no more prayer, no more development. I'm good to go. I've reached spiritual maturity. See you later. It started a new journey for them. I want you to understand the biblical order of things. We hear the gospel, we believe the gospel, and we respond to the gospel by denying ourselves, by dying to ourselves, bearing our old identities, and allowing the Holy Spirit to bring us up in new life, in grace and forgiveness. And it's in that moment where we decide to turn from our old way of living and decide to follow Jesus. Baptism symbolizes your confidence that you have died to sin. And you are raised to new life. And the way that you live your life will show people that just as that you will one day be resurrected, just like Jesus was resurrected, and you will spend all of eternity with him. But let me just tell you something. As a church, one thing that I've noticed over the years is that a lot of people act kind of the opposite of what we see in Acts chapter 2. Not everybody, but some people. What happens is they go, man, I want to get baptized. And so we talk to them about it. We sign them up for it. We baptize them. We cheer. They cheer. We all celebrate. And then we never see them again. They just go on. They think that they've reached this this, uh, 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 pinnacle of Christianity. I'm good to go. No more church. No more anything. I'm sealed. I'm forgiven. I'll just go back to living my life the way that I want to. I don't need God's people anymore. Or to be honest, another thing that we've seen in the church is that uh, uh, people will say, all right, I'm ready to get baptized because now I'm ready to live for Jesus. Now I'm ready to follow him. No, that should have happened when you raised your hand. That should have happened the moment that you realized you were a sinner and you needed a savior. That's when you should have denied those sins and started living for Jesus. Not now, now that we're in front of the baptism. That's not the time. There's other people who get kind of intoxicated with the fact that there's music and there's, there's cheering and there's clapping and there's a center of attention. And people are like, I just want to be the center of attention. And we miss the mark of what baptisms are. I've titled this message, What is Baptisms Anyway? Because I want to clear up some confusion. I want you to understand that this is something very important to God. And if it's important to him, it should be important to us. But to understand why it should be important to us, we need to understand what baptism is all about. Baptism is an act of obedience. Baptism is a burial of the old self, the old identities. And baptism marks the journey as you start being a follower of Jesus. So, You might be sitting here today and you might be thinking, well, did I miss the memo to baptisms? Like, I didn't get a chance to sign up. You didn't miss the memo. We're trying to be a little more intentional with this. Because when I read the book of Acts this week, every time somebody was getting baptized, it was because they had a conversation. It's because they were having a one-on-one conversation about it, asking questions and being discipled through it and making sure they had a clear understanding of what it was about. And so you didn't miss it. But let me tell you, If you're hearing this message and you're like, man, I feel like I need to get baptized. Listen, you could go online and you could sign up for it and we would love to baptize you. We wanna have a conversation. We wanna make sure that you understand what it means. 
We want to make sure you're not just putting empty religion here. We want to make sure that you understand that it means that you are now a student. You are now a disciple of Jesus. And this is your first step of obedience. And so you can sign up and listen, we're going to do our best to have them as often as we can, but you all push how often we have them. We want to have baptisms. We want the gospel preached to our eyes, but I want you to understand why this is important. I want you to understand what baptism is all about. And so again, we're going to dunk a few people today. And here at Awaken, we take a literal view of baptism. We dunk people all the way in the water. Because a baptize in the original language means to dip, to dunk, or to submerge. And so we take them all the way underwater. And sometimes people will tell me, hey, can you hold me in a little bit longer? Like, I'll hold my breath. Like, just make sure, I want to make sure all the sins stay at the bottom of the baptismal there. I don't want any of them coming back up at me. And so we dunk them all the way in. And as the water drips from their head, they celebrate, we cheer, we celebrate. Because we see with our eyes what we've always heard with our ears. That we are raised to new life in Christ. And that our sins are washed away. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.